This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to us. Open our eyes to see. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of you. That our eyes of understanding are enlightened, Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, you are welcome this evening. And we want to share something very important, which I believe will bless you. Alone with God. Alone with God. Let's read something as we start this evening. Um, I want to start from Genesis. Genesis chapter 22. Sorry, 32. Genesis 32. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. I want us to begin to look deep into this word that we are sharing today. Alone with God. Genesis 32 verse 24. The Bible says, And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Genesis 32 32, 24. And Jacob was left alone. Wow. That's a, that's a theme. That's what we are looking at this evening. Jacob was left alone. Alone with God. I will go through some stories in the Bible to talk about what we are looking at this evening. Now, let me start this way. There are situations that men can help you when you are in some situations. Yeah. There are cases where people can help you, can find a solution for you. But there are some situations that no man can help you except God. And what we are sharing tonight, I'm specifically talking to people who are going through something that even if you tell people, they might not understand you, not to talk of helping you. So there are some situations that are beyond what any man can help you in that kind of situation. The second thing I'll be saying this evening is the fact that, oh my God, hallelujah. I, I just believe somebody's receiving this. The second thing I want to say about this kind of situation is the fact that people don't even, now, they will say to you, I understand what you are going through, but the sincere truth is that you are alone and nobody can exactly understand what you are going through. And then the third thing is the fact that whoever you are, from time to time, some people might be once in a lifetime, some two, some three times. But there will come a time in your life when there will be a situation that even people that love you can't do anything about that situation. But there's an answer in God's word. So I believe that there are people listening to me this evening. And, you know, this is an unusual broadcast in the sense that this is not our regular day of service. But for some reasons, the Spirit of God is leading us, steering us up to, to go along this direction. Because of what somebody watching me is going through right now. And we are going to look at some examples in God's word. Situations where nobody can help you. Beyond the help of not even a pastor. Thank God for pastors. But pastors are not God. So there comes a time in your life when you are face to face with God. I mean, if God does not move, you are sunk. And 
I mean, it cuts across everybody. People experience this at different stages in life. The first person we are looking at this evening, where we read Jacob. You know, if you read the begin the story from the beginning, he tried. Uh, Esau was coming. Remember, he had taken his brother's blessing while they were living together. Or, or let's say, somehow he got the blessing. Because the brother actually bargained away the blessing. And then he was coming back and they told him that Esau was coming to meet him with about three or four hundred men. And Jacob was scared. He understood the meaning. He was about to face his past. The past that he hid for many years. Now trouble is coming to Jacob. And you know what? He had children. He had wives and servants with him. There was no way. You know, he couldn't escape. There was nowhere to run to. Have you seen a situation where you are just there facing the problem face to face? Nowhere to turn, either to turn right or to turn left. Jacob was there. He could not run back. It was too late to run. He had to face this situation. He was, I mean, he just had to face it. So what we are reading right now, here is a man. He must face it. He has to face it. And then he decided to do something. The Bible says vain is the help of a man. He sent some of the animals, some gifts ahead of himself to pacify his brother. He told the servant that when you get there, say your servant Jacob, not even your brother. He was looking for what to say. But <laughs> that was where one of the servants returned and he said, your brother is coming with 400 men. Hey, Jacob was like, I'm in trouble. And the Bible says that he took his wife. He, se he separated. They took them to another, across the river, uh, across the stream. He took his family and he was left alone. And when he was left alone, something happened. There is something I want to, sh I want to get to tonight. Let's look at the second example. Genesis chapter 16. The story of Agai. Sarah's maid. If you are very familiar with the Bible, you know the story very well. Sarah had no children, no child, not even one. And then she told Abraham her husband, you know, you have to go into my maid, probably. And this was happening just after God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 15. And God gave him the promise that he was going to have a son. And then Sarah made her own arrangements. I'm speaking to somebody this evening. The problem could have been caused by you. But God is merciful. What I want to share tonight, where we are getting to, is how to, how, how to appeal to the, to the mercy of God. How to experience His mercy. Remember, it is not of Him that willeth or runneth. It's of God that shows mercy. Romans chapter 9. That's the truth. It's not of Him that runneth or willeth. It's of God. The Bible talks about us coming to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. So mercy is not something that takes a sinner and then turns them to a saint. It's not limited to that. Oh, we can go through the Bible and see under the New Testament when we can receive mercy. Yes. But at this moment, so Sarah made that, created the problem. And then Agai got pregnant. Agai got, got pregnant. And then she left the house. Let's look at this verse. Verse 8. 
or let's start from verse 7. And the angel of the Lord, so she ran away from the house, and the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way of shore. And he said to her, Agai, Sarah's maid, where are thou coming from and where are thou going to? And he said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel said some things to her. But here is the point. Agai's own case happened two times. Of course, Genesis 21, also the same thing. She was, now this first time, she fled by herself from the house. And then she got replaced. Now look at the situation she was in. It was not her idea that she should sleep with Abraham. Sarah started the whole thing, cooked up the whole stuff. And then Aga got pregnant and they drove her out. Now remember, she was carrying Abraham's child. But Abraham couldn't help. Imagine a man that had waited without a child. By this time, Abraham was about 84 years old. 84 years of barrenness, of being childless. And now, somebody was pregnant for him, and he was watching her being driven away by her mistress. She fled. I'm sure a guy must have been looking at Abraham when Sarah was getting ash with her. But Abraham did nothing. Some chapters later in 21, the same thing again. This time around, Isaac was born and Ishmael was about 14. And Agar watched Abraham put a jar of water on her shoulder and she was sent packing. And she again, she was alone. Now, you will notice there was no record of angels speaking to Agar when she was in Abraham's house. But the moment she was alone, we are getting to something this evening. So both in chapter 16 and chapter 21, the same thing. The second time, she was alone again. An angel told her and opened her eyes to see a well. This time, you know, she was carrying Ishmael with her. And Ishmael was dying. She was, Ishmael needed water. And then, Agar had to put Ishmael away, like a bow shot away from herself. She did not want to see. She didn't want to witness the death of her own son right before her eyes. And when she was in that situation, the angel showed up again and told her the future of Ishmael. Example two. Alone. A situation where no man. Yesterday, Abraham was putting his hand on Ishmael rejoicing. Today, Sarah says, send him away. Send her and the son away. And he sent them away. At times, there are situations in life that even those who want to help you, their hands are tied. That was what happened to Daniel in Babylon. Daniel chapter 6. The king has signed before he realized the gravity of what he signed. The king loved Daniel. He made him president of presidents. Out of 120 people, he selected three to be above 120. Then he put, he was thinking of making Daniel number one. He loved him. See, there is a politi- there is a way politics can be played against you in your place of work. That even the boss, who cares, who loves so much, might not be able to help you. There are situations that your father, your mother, those who genuinely love you can't even help. Life can arrange a situation. And somebody listening to me is going through this kind of thing right now. People will show concern, but they cannot remove the problem. 
That was what happened to Daniel. I mean, the king was watching as the guy was being taken to the den of lion. People have been sacked and the boss who liked them couldn't do anything about it. Because there are situations, that's what we are talking about today, only God can help. Hallelujah. Let's look at another example. And we are going to, well, we are, I believe that after this main thing, you are going to pray. Hallelujah. Let's go to Paul. Let's move to New Testament. I'm going to give you Paul and Jesus Christ. Remember what happened in the garden. Let's start with Jesus. Our perfect example in the garden of Gethsemane. Let's read. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. It's a, it's a popular place. I just don't want to quote them. I want, them to read, I want us to read them together. Matthew 26. Hallelujah. Let's start from around 37. Glory to God. You know, Jesus, then come Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane. That's Matthew 26, verse 36. Matthew 26, 36. And saith unto the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful. What a moment the master was going through. And he said unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here, I want to pray. He went a little further and he prayed. Verse 40. And he came to, to his disciples and find them asleep. Wow. They had never heard the master talk like this before now. And as he was telling them, I am very, very, I'm full of sorrow. I, I, I'm, I'm very sorrowful right now. He had never said something like this before. He thought they would share the body with it. That was why he took them to the place of prayer. But he came back and he found them sleeping. They couldn't help. Oh, hallelujah. You know, this kind of situation, Jesus was going, all the while, he would thought, destroy this temple, I'll build it in three days. But when the day finally came, the master felt the gravity of having to carry the sin of the old world. He needed somebody. Oh, that's why Hebrews says that we have not an high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of infirmity. There are some bodies that you carry that no man will carry them with you. They can say, I understand. We are praying for you. But you know what you carry. That it's just you and God. And I want to end this broadcast by telling us later how to pray in this kind of situation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. When it happened to Paul, remember in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talked about the thorn in the flesh. Then he, he said he prayed, but we'll look at that in a while. But let's first of all look at what he said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 16. Apostle Paul said that at the beginning of my defense of the gospel, he said nobody stood by me. He said, but the Lord stood by me. So Paul too got to a point in his life when everybody left him. Not that he did not have titles and all the guys around him to send on an errand or to. But you see, people can be around you, yet you are lonely. There is a big burden inside there. Oh, there are people watching me. You can't even tell people what is really going on. You smile like others. You go around like others. Every time you go for a meeting, hoping that a word will come from you, for you. And then words will come, but nothing is shaking inside. There is a, a situation standing. Resolutely inside. 
Some, it's so embarrassing that you can't even tell anybody about it. Some, you walked yourself into the trouble. And now it looks like there is no way out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The one we started with two Sundays ago about Ezekiah. I noticed the same people that told Paul to get some people to shave their head and to go into the temple and then to pay the vow. Nobody stood by him when he was arrested. Paul came to Jerusalem. The apostles suggested, or disciples Jerusalem suggested to him how to penetrate the Jews. Okay, let them know that you are not against the law. But that was the very thing that got him to trouble. And when he entered the trouble, everybody left him. He said it later. You see, what I'm sharing tonight, if you are not helped by the mighty hand of God, you are going to become bitter. You will think people have forsaken you, they've used you and they've left you. This is the beginning of bitterness in many lives. Because people can be around you. They can be nice to you, can be nice to them. But brother, sister, there are burdens that they cannot help you to carry. If you're a pastor, there are some situations. Oh, there is prayer department. Bless God for them. And thank God for what they are doing. But some burdens you have to carry by yourself. When we made an announcement that I'll be sharing this evening, I started receiving messages even from, from, from some pastors in some the other churches. I received some mails just this evening, people telling me about situations going on in their lives. There are things that you cannot tell your husband. And there are things that you cannot tell your wife. Now, this does not apply to everybody, but some people. There can be a situation where you can't even tell anybody. Hallelujah. So look at the, these stories that we have just read. Even Ishmael must have been wondering if the angel did not pave way for them, they might have hated Abraham forever. I am saying to everybody, you see, people are not your problem. There is something you must do. Let's begin to look at this. I want to give one more example and from there we start looking at what brought out all these people? Hallelujah. Let's read John chapter 5. It's a story we know very well. And then we'll look at Paul. So John chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 7. John 5, 7. You know the story. By the pool of Bethsaida, Jesus got there. And he saw a man. The Bible said there were multitudes by the pool. And an angel will come and steer the water. And the first person to get in. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. And Jesus walked up to this man. Let's read. Verse 7. Let's start from 6. And Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there now a long time. How long? From verse 1. And a certain man was there which had been, which had infirmity 38 years. This man was in this situation before Jesus was born. He had been there before Jesus was born. Jesus left the earth about 833. The Bible says about, started ministry about 30 and then three and a half years later, he was crucified. But this man had been there before Jesus. He was there for 38 years. Jesus went straight for the man. But now pay attention. Now look at this. 
And Jesus said, in verse, verse 6, Will thou be made whole? The impotent man answered and said, Sir, I have no man. Now, skip. Verse 8. He said unto him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Before Jesus said, Rise, take up your bed and walk. He asked the man a question and he waited for the man's response. Will thou be made whole? Oh, I love the man's answer. Now, this is where this message is going to. The man said to Jesus that, Sir, I have no man. Oh. Glory to God. For those who are in a tough time right now, a tough season of your life, the beginning of divine intervention, of the master putting his hand, this is what he has sent me to share with us today from what we have seen in God's word. There we come. I, I know some have prayed, but listen to me. This is what we do many times. I have seen situations like this in my life. Until you take your eyes off men and get to a point where you recognize that, look, I have no man. What I'm sharing today, there is a posture that you need to assume in the spirit that attracts the power of God. That posture is a, po a posture you take that, Lord, outside you, there is no help anywhere. You say we pray, but we have plan B. This is why many times, I remember the story that somebody told me of a couple. They had a school. I think they still have the school right now. So they have a very wonderful school. They, they collected loan. I have a witness in my spirit that somebody is in, this, is in, in a similar situation. Hear me tonight or this evening. They got some loans to, to, to start the school. And you know what? Profit didn't come. A very popular school in a particular city in Nigeria. The profit didn't come as much as, of course, it took some years. Now, the bank gave them several years. And they got, it got to a time that the bank needed to come for their money. They spoke with people here and then nobody could help them. When it looked like by in the next two or three days, they were going to lose the school to the bank. And this, this school, the, I mean, here was a school that everybody knew about. Was, it appeared from outside, everything was fine. The man and his wife sat down there. I mean, they woke up in the morning. They knew that, look, we can't call anybody. We've spoken with people. Nobody could really help. Some, some of the friends gave little here and there, but that was nothing compared to what was needed. And they began to pray. At times, certain people need to go before God, like this man, to say, sir, I have no man. I have discovered from the Bible, and we look back at all the rest of the story now, that when a man, when a woman assumes this posture before God, the power of God is attracted speedily. A time when your eyes are not looking. See, that was why, if you check stories in the Bible, you discover miracles happen very quickly when people took the, when the people assume this position, this posture. Hallelujah. As soon as Jehoshaphat said that we are helpless against this nation, this multitude, and dropped their weapons, something happened. When Ezekiah took the book, Isaiah 37, 30, to the temple to pray against Sennacherib. And he said, Lord, truly this guy destroyed nations. The same night he prayed, the Bible says an angel went and slew 185,000 soldiers in the camp of the Assyrian. And Sennacherib went back alone to his house. When he got to his house, two of his sons killed him. 
There is something that, see, power belongs to God. But many times when we pray, we see our eyes elsewhere, hoping that help will come from here. Promotion does not come from this. It does not come from... See, at times, oh, I have discovered that people who seem to, people who have great assignment on that, they seem to begin their life with an a, a, a situation that looks impossible standing before them. And it's either you break that situation or it breaks you. Go to Kennedy again and talk about how sick he was. Then after that, healing anointing. There seemed to be a block. Honestly speaking, when it looks like God is going to use somebody to be a blessing to many financially, all doors might be shut initially. Because at times, Satan is working out things against you. God is watching that you might get to that corner. When you are trained that, you recognize God as the only one. Jesus never said, rise up and be healed. Until the man said, I have no man. In other words, till the next 30 years, till I'll be 68th, Others will always stand before before me. And guess what? In that story, it was only that man Jesus healed and he disappeared from the place. Why? Others had men. Others had men. Oh, hallelujah. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read something about Paul. Are you, are you with me? There are people listening. God is waiting. You are still making moves here and there, here and there. And God is waiting for that moment when you sit before him and be like, Lord, outside you. It's, people have called it differently, brokenness, whatever. A situation whereby your heart desperately says to the Lord, there is no plan B. Some of us, when we go there, sincerely, we didn't plan to. We ought to explore all kinds of options. But we got to a point, we saw that, look, Lord... <laughs> All options are failed. Now, if nothing miraculous happens between that and the next 72 hours, we are sung. And, we'll, we'll, and then we saw God. So, but you can, you can start this from the beginning. Let's read. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I remember one of our leaders who told me, you know, the, the company where he works, when he went for an interview there, and then everybody studied, it, uh, oil and gas industry, everybody studied petroleum engineering, maybe about 23 of them, I think. Just about four of them did another course. If they are going to pay like six, seven people, and you are 23, and every other person, oil-related course, but your own, no connection to oil, and you are there in the interview. This qualification number one. Number two, in the same place as they were talking, then if you did with 2-1, about 18 people there, I can't remember the figure of it, finish in first class. What else do you want to say? He said, the, the white man asked him two times, asked about his course, and told him, when he mentioned the name of his, the, the, the course he studied in school, the white man said, do you know what we do in this company? He said, yes, sir, oil and gas. You know the meaning of that. They are saying that we are looking for those who study petroleum engineering. You study something else and you are here. And then here are first class people, you two, one. 
double disqualification. And then he said, they said they should talk about oil and gas in Nigeria for about five minutes or so. It, I mean, Mustard Corey said what's that? And then the man said, I said five minutes. You spent eight minutes. You, 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 you've already, you've, you've had the results. But guess what? When they were going to pick, maybe there are five or so, it was one of them and that's where he's working today. Power belongs to God. A time when a man recognizes that Lord, I know a person when we school was on scholarship, a lot of wonderful things about his life. He had a car. But every sister he ever asked out said no to him. He thought that he could impress because of his good looks, his car, his everything. But nothing. At a point, he decided to go to God and stop looking. You know, he, he never, by the time the person was going to show up, eventually, it was when he didn't have a kind. See, oh God. Hallelujah. A minister can come with strategies to reach people. Plans as a church to reach people. Hallelujah. But in vain is the horse prepared for battle. You can attend all the conferences and marriage seminars where you think you see people of your age who are Christians to ask you out. The Bible says it does not take pleasure in the legs of a man. <laughs> That's deep. That's what the psalmist said. Hallelujah. Look at so. Paul read here. He said, Lest I be exalted. 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Lest I be exalted above measure. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Lest I be exalted above measure. Through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. Whatever happened to Paul. I've read all kinds of commentaries and speculations and assumptions. But then, in the wisdom of God, it's not mentioned there. He said, but there was a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, Paul said, for this thing, I besought the Lord three times, that he might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee, and my strength is made perfect. Oh, in your weakness, many years ago, of course, I've always known the meaning, but God revealed this to me in a strong way. When you bring up your weakness before God, that is when the sufficiency of His grace is released upon your life. Oh God. David said, or Nathan said to David, when he committed sin with Bathsheba, he said, when you were little in your own eyes, didn't I exalt you over Israel? Many years ago, I saw from that scripture, God promotes those who are little in their own eyes. So when you come before God, He is almighty and He wants you to recognize that everything is in Him and it's more than enough for what you need. Um, many years back, I was listening to Pastor Debra and he told us a story that blessed us mightily. When he was a young boy, you know, it was, father, it was his father's favorite. When he was a young boy, the father sat outside he was playing ball. He just bought a small ball for him. And he kicked the ball. The ball went on the roof. And wouldn't come down. And you know the way it is. When you move back, you can see. You will be able to see the roof. Then it will move 
to use a stick, then he wouldn't see again. He couldn't bring down the ball. And he struggled and struggled and he struggled. And the father sat down there, maybe eating outside. The father did as if he didn't see him. He kept struggling. And all of a sudden, out of frustration, just said, Daddy, are you just, I mean, won't you help me? And the father said, Hey, are you just seeing me? Are you just seeing me? And the father got up, took a stick with one move, brought down the ball. And he said, Years later, some things happened in his life. And as he was praying, God showed him that revelation. He just remembered that story. How many people are doing that? Efforts upon efforts. I am saying this to everybody. There's nothing wrong in talking to a pastor seeking for counsel. There's nothing wrong in asking people to pray for you. But I'm just saying that it might be once in a lifetime. It might be right now you are going through your own. There comes a situation that no counselor, no pastor can help you. Nobody can help. The situation remains until you are alone with God. As soon as Jacob was left alone, then the angel appeared. I am saying to everybody in the dark season of your life, what the Lord is waiting for is for you to be alone with God. Sincerely speaking, some of those disappointments, they didn't happen behind God. It didn't cause them, but it could have stopped it. It did not. Alone with God. I had a story of a student who was abroad and they were going to deport them. I mean, in there to pay Saddam, if he didn't pay, that was the end of that school. And this kind of situation stood right before the person. Are you listening to me tonight? Have you been to deliverance? You've been to places? Sometimes, the most anointed people that you know have prayed for you. But the situation is still there. You are in between two things. Either you face God face to face or you even begin to doubt the Bible and start saying, I say, I've been there. They pray for me. Nothing happened. The anointing will not solve everybody's problem that way that I passed up. There are some, and I'm saying to you, but there is a guarantee. There is an 100% guarantee that if you meet God face to face, he is able, he will remove the situation. But that 100% guarantee does not exist any other place. Not even in an anointed worship service or power move service or whatever. No. Face to face with God. Face to face with the Father. Hallelujah. Jacob began to pray. It's the angel wrestled, which is a form of prayer. And in the morning he said, Bless me. He said, what is your name? He said, my name is Jacob. He said, no, you shall be Israel from today. He said, with men, you are fought with God and with men you are prevailed. Power with God and with men you are prevailed. This is the meaning. 
those who have power with God will always prevail over men. They will prevail over the politics of men. They will prevail over the wickedness of men. They will prevail over even the mistake of men. Hallelujah. Men. Face to face, alone with God. I know for so many people, God has been waiting for that moment. When you also, when you leave other things and come to him. Where you open up the weakness to him. And like Paul, he will say to you, my grace is sufficient. And you see the power of that grace resting on that situation. Jacob woke up the following morning. And he began to walk. Esau saw him and he couldn't kill him anymore. Lift up your hand wherever you are. I want us to pray. I'm still on, but I want us to pray. Dear Lord Jesus, if you are watching me and this applies to you, or you know someone that it applies to, get this message to them. If it applies, you need to listen again. Lift up your hands. Say, Father, I surrender to you. Say with your mouth, say, Lord, with you, all things are possible. Say after me, Lord, you are not only willing to help me. You are not only able to help me, you are also willing. That's, that, that's a remarkable revelation. To know and to have it settled in your heart that God is not only able, he is also willing. God's ability is never in doubt. Everybody believes that God is able. But most people don't believe God is willing. He is willing. He is willing. There's someone watching me. Somehow, you don't stay long on any job. Something will happen, you'll be kicked out. People have prayed with you, but it's not changing. You must be one of the people why we brought this message. For some, it will take just one day. Some, it will take just a few hours to stay away from everybody and pray with a mind that, Lord, you are the only plan. There's no plan B. No other plan. No other attempts. There are situations in some families where you describe it to people. They have told you to confess by faith, to say this one, that one, you've done it. You've done all kinds of confessions. You have promises that you pick promises, you confess promises. But you know. See, there are things that only God through his work can explain to you. The Bible says no man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man that is in him. 1 Corinthians 2. So in some cases, you go for a meeting, you see testimonies and you see miracles. You can't deny the fact that certain people have been touched. But it's not you. You have seen people. That was what Anna did. As they were eating that day, she got up. Oh, that, that is my word I said in, first word, in Hebrews 4.15. We have not a high priest who cannot be taught with the feelings of our infirmity. Only Jesus can truly understand what you are going through. Others will say we know what you are going through, but two situations are not the same. 
Elkanah will say to Anna, Am I not better than children? And if you read the story, he loved Anna so much, but he could do nothing about her situation. Eli was the man of God in Israel then. Eli couldn't help her also. You see, this is what people need to know. Thank God for the anointing. Thank God for the prophetic gifts. But you see, except they are sent to you, the situation might not change. You can't bypass the place of you face to face with God. As they were eating, Anna got angry. She got up. And she walked away to the temple to pray. You know what? What of if she had prayed like that five years before? Maybe she would have had Samuel five years before. Because there was no record that God said, so yeah, go and pray now and then I will answer. No. She got to a state. She just said to herself, enough of El- Elkanah's sweet words. The man was not deceiving her. He meant those words. But those words did not fix the situation. Oh, dear Lord Jesus. People have read books about church growth. People have read books about breakthrough, about blessing. They have read books about profit in business. They hear testimony that I read that book, that book fired me or blessed me. But after you have read it, nothing is happening. Oh, I met so so man of God. He just put his hand on me and this happened. And he has put his hand on you 17 times. Oh, I, I gave this one that you, you have done everything you've heard. Anna faced God and began to pray. She prayed so much. Oh, there are prayers and there are prayers. There are times you kneel down to say, I'm praying for 20 minutes. That will not do what we are talking about right now. There are moments you kneel down to pray. You don't know where you are getting up. You are not interested in getting up until God does something. That's what we are talking about. Men and brethren, when you assume this posture before God, it doesn't take time. Look at all the stories we read in the Bible. For almost all of them, it happened the same day. It doesn't take time. When a person sits with God and he says, Eternal Father, power belongs to you. You are not only able, you are willing. There is something. He said, call upon me and I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things we thou knowest not. That's Jeremiah 33. There are great and mighty things which you don't know. But they can be revealed when we pray. This is why we should pray. You understand now the kind of prayer we are talking about. You are not prepared to talk to anybody anymore. It's now time to face God. Just you. It took Jacob just one night, overnight. Anna, just one moment. As she was praying, Eli saw her. Eli was in his backsliding states. But this kind of prayer will force the power to come from anywhere. Eli said that, are you drunk? I'm not drunk. I'm talking from the bitterness of my heart. That body, that pain, you can channel it towards men or towards God. In other words, Anna is saying that there is bitterness in my heart. I would rather pour it out before God rather than pour it on men. When I pour it on men, it does no good. At times I see people being critical of other people. 
And this is, is all about the fact that, oh, I have seen our four friends. I saw a lot of this when I was in school. And then there will be one very wonderful guy of brother in the fellowship, and we ask out one of them. The rest will feel that I'm fine. How come it's? And then they start bad mouthing or try to say something about that relationship. Ah, he doesn't know her. She's not that kind of. And all those things. We see when you don't carry a burden to God, you can become bitter very easily. Yes. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. It didn't take me a long time being called to be a pastor. We didn't want to realize the level of beef pastors can have for themselves. And it will be put under the umbrella where I just say the truth. I have found out people would rather sympathize with you than to rejoice with you. People don't criticize. They don't pick issues with people that are they are ahead of in life. Have you noticed? You must have noticed as well. They don't. Even among singers, even secular ones, people don't pick and have issues on somebody that is below them or that they are ahead of in life. It's always about somebody ahead of them. When you are down, people will pity you. They will, they will, they will forgive your mistake. If a man, <laughs> they will forgive your mistake. Say, I'm more familiar with pastors. A pastor has a condition of 10,000. We easily forgive somebody that has 20 people. If he passes by, does not greet him? But if it's the other way, I said, especially if they have been friends for years. You see, he's now very popular. He's arrogant. And I've told you about him. And you see all these things around. And it's because people will not go to God. Lastly, see, that was what happened with the prodigal son. And the brother could have gone to the father as well. But he was angry. Oh, somebody's watching me. You, you, are angry. you are even thinking God has forsaken you. He doesn't forsake his own. Go and meet him. One night can create the turnaround. You've done videos, but you did it with people. Or you did it because people told you to do it. But you did not come with the mind that, Lord, you are the only plan. Sir, I have no man. Jesus said, get up. Have you told God also, I have no man? I've tried the best in town. And I've come to a life, Lord, I have no man. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for everybody watching. That you will see him face to face. He will interpret your life for you. He will show you hidden things about yourself under the light of his word. You will receive illumination, revelation to know what steps to take, what to do. In the name of Jesus Christ. When two babies were kicking inside Rebecca, she went to pray and God said, there are two nations in your womb. She said, why am I like this? That was the meaning of what she said. So why am I thus? I'm saying to somebody also, when you ask God, why am I like this? Don't worry about how he's going to tell you. If the prayer is deep enough, it will tell you in a way that you will know that this is God talking. Whether through somebody, through book, whichever way, it will be different from what you've always been used to. 
Only God will explain that to Rebecca. He said the younger will be greater than the elder. The elder will serve the younger. Two nations in your womb. That is the meaning of the striving that you are hearing inside. Somebody is having strivings inside, but you don't know the meaning. You are going to men to ask men, what is the meaning? Why, is, why am I not getting good jobs? Why is this one happening? Why is that one happening? Why is everybody leaving me? Why am I not married? Why am I, you want people to answer. They will answer based on the experiences they've gathered with other people. But you are not other people. They will answer based on the books they have read, the experiences they have. But that might not be sufficient. Jesus will bless you. I believe somebody is blessed tonight. Oh, blessed be your name. I pray the Lord will guide you, will lead you in the name of Jesus Christ. I bless you in the name of the Lord. May you start completing His plan. May you be rooted and grounded in the love of the Father to be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, the breadth, the width, the height, and to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge and to be filled with all the fullness of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast. You know, we never like to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Coming into Christ is beyond joining a church, is beyond a religion. It is joining God's family. And that is done when you believe in Christ Jesus. So I just want to lead you right away now. If you, are, if you want to give your heart to Christ, just say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again and that you paid for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior, and from today I belong to you. If you have said those words, will be late, you are born again, you are part of God's family right now. You can go ahead and rejoice about it. God bless you. We love you. Stay blessed.